0: I get so much out of my AMA membership. My favorite part is the networking and connections I have made within the marketing community. I feel so fortunate to have the opportunity to build relationships with like-minded professionals in the Capital Region.
1: Welcome to episode 14 of the Capital Marketer podcast presented by the American Marketing Association New York Capital Region Chapter. Here in Albany, New York, I am Blaze Bryant facebook.com/nycrama that is n y c r a m a is the same handle for Twitter and Instagram. Our new website amanycapital.org. Go there and see what we have coming up as well as become an AMA member. It is $149. bucks. is a daily price. The everyday price, 149 It's half of what it used to be. So jump on it. Become a member. We would love to have you part of our team. We have a very interesting show, as much of it is going to be a clip from our lunch brief, because we started doing lunch briefs when the pandemic happened. Steve Gavatorta, he is the owner of the Gavatorta Group, which helps individuals and organizations strive to reach beyond their goals. He is really a leadership expert as he gives us tips on how to manage during adverse times. Here is a clip from Steve's lunch brief from back in September.
0: So the first shot across the bow. I wanted to talk about emotional intelligence. Successful people and especially leaders have high emotional intelligence. Not sure everyone knows what EQ is or emotional intelligence, but let's make a comparison between EQ and IQ. IQ is our intelligence quotient, our brain smarts. So we can possibly be a Harvard educated grad with an MBA or a doctorate, be the smartest person on earth. However, if we are, so, if we tend to get angry easy, lose our patience or are unable to communicate things, we are not gonna be effective despite how high our IQ is. In addition, if we have trouble interacting with others, we irritate others, others don't like us, we can't motivate others, we're again, not going to be a successful leader. So successful people have high emotional intelligence. They're in, they're connected to their emotional side very well. The first attribute associated with high EQ is high or strong intrapersonal skills. Um, How well do you, great self-awareness, how well do you know your behavior, your communication style, your motivators, um, how you deal with adversity, How you make decisions, and how you deal with things such as uh, change, risk-taking, and conflict. Because the more I can understand that in myself, the more I'm going to be able to self-manage myself during any time, but especially during difficult times. Another attribute associated with high emotional intelligence is good interpersonal skills. The The ability to read those same attributes in those people with whom you're leading or engaging with. Your ability to effectively interact with them, communicate with them, um, understand what their motivators are, and really help them be able to collaborate, your organization to collaborate as a team. Your ability to successfully coach your people as well too. So people with high EQ exhibit high interpersonal skills, their self-knowledge, but also they're very good at reading and understanding others. And with that said, they are also able to build resilience, perseverance, and really make good decisions during difficult times. Their ability, they have high ability to face, overcome obstacles, lead through change and uncertain times, and really solve problems and resolve conflict. So a lot of what today is about is providing you insights to raise your EQ skills and that of your people as well too. You can, again, the skills you're gonna learn today is gonna raise your EQ, but help those people you're engaging with as well too. So we've covered the importance of your perception of adversity, emotional intelligence, and its importance to your effectiveness as a leader, especially during difficult times. And now we're gonna transition into understanding how our brain functions under stress, understanding brain functionality. I'm sure a lot of you during this whole COVID-19 order through your lives have heard someone say to you, or you maybe said to others, Hey, stay calm, be cool. It's okay. You're going to get through this. Don't worry. Don't get angry. You know, it may have, may have driven you crazy. You know, I am okay. I am, I am calm. Maybe you were, maybe you weren't. But what I want you to know is that comment isn't just a flippant comment. There's actually science behind that comment and brain functionality to support it. So rational thinking, staying calm, quote collected, is not just a phrase. Your ability to stay calm in light of obstacles is huge. And I'm gonna touch that here in a bit. Start with a quote, only in quiet waters do things mirror themselves undistorted. Only in a quiet mind is there an adequate perception of the world. So the bottom line is, We cannot solve problems. We cannot make wise decisions. We can't define options or think creatively out of the box when we're flustered, when we're in a highly emotional state. We can only do that when we're rational. Your people that you lead can only do that when they're rational. So we're going to talk about the importance of two parts of our brain and how we can ensure when adversity strikes, we're functioning in our rational part of our brain. There's two important parts of the brain I wanna talk about now. The first being the limbic system. The limbic system is also known as our emotional brain. It's what we're born with, and it does not grow, transform, or evolve through time. Again, it's what we're born with. When adversity strikes and we're functioning in our limbic part of our brain, Our adrenaline starts rushing, and our response is going to be emotional. Freeze, fight, or flight. So as you can imagine, when you're facing a difficult time, you don't want to be frozen. You don't want to be angry. You don't want to be shut down. You want to be thinking rationally. So when you're in that limbic state of mind, you're not going to be able to make wise decisions. You're not going to be able to solve problems. So it's imperative you're not functioning in this this part of your brain. The limbic system was great when we were babies. When we were hungry, we knew to cry, our parents fed us. When we were cavemen and women, when a dinosaur came, we ran. That's what the limbic system is for. It's not for us to uh, an area where we wanna make decisions under duress. The other part of the brain I wanna talk about is our cortex, also known as our rational brain. That's where reason and logic lie. That's where we can formulate plans and solve problems. The cortex does grow, transform, and evolve through our experiences, both good and I think especially bad. It can evolve through our education system reading, writing, arithmetic, college, our learnings in school. It can evolve through our training and development. What you're doing today, in many ways, is providing you skill sets help you understand how to effectively lead and self-manage through adverse times. It's a learning that you're building your cortex muscle, so to speak. Um, So our failures, our difficulties can indeed teach us lessons. And that's why earlier in this talk, I talked about the acceptance of adversity and acknowledging that it's a chance to grow. Because when we accept adversity as a part of life, it stymies our, our potential falling into that limbic state of mind if we're not expecting anything bad to happen it does we could get frustrated it can immediately throw us in that non-productive freeze fight or flight mode that's where you do not want to be you want to be functioning in your cortex so when adversity strikes you want to respond rationally not emotionally Now, I learned this from a former kickboxing instructor of mine named Eric Parker about this brain functionality. I do martial arts, a kickboxing called Muay Thai. And Eric Parker taught me and the fighters about how the brain functions under duress. And he learned about this the hard way. Eric Parker was a former Marine, former Indianapolis police officer, former SWAT team leader on the Indianapolis Police Force, former certified tactical, tactical trainer, canine handler, uh, former undefeated kickboxer, um, business owner, and now he's a, a, a banker for Morgan Stanley. So he's an interesting guy, but he taught about this brain functionality in, in both his training as a Marine, in his training as a, a SWAT team leader, and is with fighters. And Eric Parker just doesn't talk the talk, he walks the walk. Um, Eric Parker, about 20 or so years ago, was leading a drug raid as a SWAT team leader. He was entering the, the house with a shotgun, enters the house, he's immediately shot at, Hits it, a bullet hits him in the head, he had a helmet on. Bullet fla- another bullet flays his forearm, looks like a pancake. He drops his, his shotgun. And because he was able to fall back on his training, he stayed in that rational cortex part of his brain and was able to use his non-shooting left hand, uh, firing back with a pistol and reloading three times. He stated what saved his life was staying in the cortex, falling back on all the training he had taught and learned in his his life. So this brain functionality piece can be life-saving in many ways, let alone drive your effectiveness as a leader in your and through your organization. In fact, Eric Parker states that 33% of police officers killed in the line of duty by felonious assault did nothing to prevent their own death. In fact, they witnessed it. Why didn't they respond? Because they were stuck in the limbic system. They felt they were out of options. So they forgot their training and hence they fell into that limbic state and it cost them, them their lives. On the flip side of that, I want to talk about the rational response to adversity versus an emotional reaction. I lived in New York City during 9-11, so I was able to f- see Rudolph Giuliani's leadership firsthand during that time. And Giuliani, Giuliani often um, gives, gives uh, the, the positive reflection of why he was able to lead so well during 9-11 was based on what his father taught him years earlier when he was a child and his father stated, my fa- my, or Giuliani stated, my father used to tell me, whenever you get into a jam, whenever you get into a crisis or an emergency, become the calmest person in the room and you'll be able to figure a way out of it. In layman's terms, Rudolph Giuliani's dad was saying, when adversity strikes, son, stay in the cortex, stay rational. Then you're gonna be able to find solutions to problems. So let so we talked about brain function, the importance of brain functionality, and tying back to EQ, people who have high EQ typically are very in control, they think, from their cortex part of their brain, their logical part of the brain. So what we want to do today is raise your emotional intelligence and help you understand how you you may function under duress as well. So we're going to play with this a little bit. We're going to look at what I talked about with EQ and the brain functionality, and connect the dots potentially to you as a leader using top lining a behavioral assessment called DISC. And I'm gonna get into that in a bit, but basically high emotional intelligence leaders really understand again themselves and know those people they're leading. And a great quote from one of the greatest football coaches ever, Vince Lombardi stated that football is a motivation business. And on my teams, I put on most of the motivation. The point is I've got to learn 40 different ways to lead, motivate and communicate with 40 different men. So he realized that all his players were not motivated by the same things. They didn't respond to game day situations the same. His success as a coach was that he understood himself, his own strengths as a, as a coach, but he also knew the attributes associated with his team. So when game day situation came, He was able to keep them functioning in that rational, calm, cool, collected part of their brain. So what I'm going to do now, I'm gonna connect the dots between this brain functionality piece and different behavior or personality styles, connecting the dots to an assessment called DISC. Um, DISC is very similar to Myers-Briggs. It's a Carl Jung-based assessment. You don't have to have taken the assessment to learn what we're gonna talk about now, or if you have, it's a good reminder and a good connecting point. But the, the DISC, DISCA is an acronym for four base behavior styles. D stands for dominance, I stands for influence, S stands for steadiness, C stands for compliance. As I'm going through the attributes associated with these four styles, start thinking about yourself What style might you be? And also start thinking about the style of some of those people you're interacting with on a daily basis. This knowledge is going to come in handy because we're going to connect the dots between these four styles and how these styles respond both positively and negatively under duress. So let's get into the four DISC styles. As I said, the D stands for dominance. People who exhibit the dominant style are ambitious, forceful, direct, decisive, very independent, very challenging, highly, highly competitive, often seen as the type A personality. Influencer styles are expressive, enthusiastic, gregarious, talkative, very outgoing, very extroverted. (laughs) Steadiness styles are very methodical, systematic, collaborative, reliable, Loyal, They are very people oriented, like an influencer, but they are a little bit more on the introverted side. And then lastly, the compliance style is highly analytical, very contemplative, very careful, very deliberative, very, uh, very cautious, so to speak, very risk averse. So that's a little top line descriptor of each style. Again, as we're going through these styles, think about what you might be and those people with whom you're leading, what they might be. And also start thinking about how this whole COVID-19 or adversity may be coming into play based on your style or someone else's style. Let's look at the dominant style. Here's someone who's aggressive, forceful. They like taking action. They like being aggressive. They like engaging people. Look how COVID-19 could potentially be very frustrating to them because this uncertainty, this ambiguity, maybe has stymied their ability to be as assertive as they'd like. So it could be a, a, a troublesome uh, time for them. Not saying automatically it will be, but some food for thought. Let's look at the influencer and steadiness styles. These are people who get their energy from. Being around people, so think about working virtually, working from your home, not working with my team and my colleagues, could be very frustrating for them as well, too. So just trying to uh, connect some dots between these styles and this situation we're going through now and where people may not be as productive as they should be because they've fallen into a non-productive state. We're going to get into that even more as we press forward. Also important to know about these four styles or, how, or is how they're motivated and how they deal with change, risk, and decision-making. Dominant styles are motivated by more authority and challenges. They like to be challenged. They hate to be bored. And they actually love and embrace change and are typically high risk takers. Their decision-making is going to be typically quick and based off of facts. Influencer styles, they're motivated by their image. They want people to think well of them. They want to do a good job. They care about what what their image is. (laughs) With regard to change, risk-taking, and even decision-making, it's going to depend on the effects to people. If the change or taking a risk benefits them or others, they'll be more willing to do it. If it doesn't, they'll be less willing to do it. So again, imagine going through this COVID-19 dynamic and a high I, an influencer style has to furlough people. And I understand that's gonna be, could be very difficult for them. So once again, here's how understanding the styles can help you understand yourself and your leadership ability during adverse times, what your people are going through as you're leading them. the styles are motivated by peace and stability. They need time to prepare for change and they're fairly low risk takers and they're slow in their decision making. Compliance styles are motivated by excellence and quality. They're concerned about the effects of change and they're very low risk takers and they make very slow decisions. So as we go clockwise, the willingness to make a change and take a risk diminishes as you go clockwise. So think about that. Not all people embrace change or risk taking equally. The same with decision making, as you go clockwise, the speed at which these styles make a decision diminishes as you go clockwise too. So we all don't make decisions the same way, they're for the same timing. But if we can understand these dynamics in, the, in ourselves and the people we lead, we're going to be better at helping them change, embrace change more readily than we would have had we not understood this information and approached them in a manner that's relevant to them. S's and C's, just because they're slow to make a change or take a risk doesn't mean they won't. You just have to minimize their fears in making that change and taking that risk. And lastly, what drives these styles? In in other words, another kind of a motivational factor. So dominant styles like directness. They like bullet points. They like getting to the point, cutting edge, creative ideas. I've been told by a lot of dominant styles when dealing with them, they want want you to be brief, be bright, be gone. So that's that's an interesting way of remembering that. Influencer styles, they like benefits to people. They like helping people. They, They like enthusiasm. They don't like to be overwhelmed with a lot of heavy data and they really like building personal relationships. Steadiness styles. With them, they like trusting relationships. They're very loyal. They like collaboration. And they will make a decision if you give them time and information to make that decision. And lastly, the compliance style is motivated by quality and excellence, doing the right thing, dependability, data and information to analyze. And they like to make good decisions based off of sound facts, not just because you're a great person, but because the facts say so.
1: Steve, Gavatorta being very generous with his time in talking to us during our September AMA lunch brief. Steve talked a lot about leadership, which segues perfectly into what I am about to say, which is kind of a bittersweet thing for me here personally. That is, I am going to be doing a lot more leadership stuff. I was accepted into the Tech Valley Young Professionals Network Leadership Tech Valley program, which has been an awesome experience. However, with that, the Capital Marketer podcast, we're going to have to hit the pause button until we get a new volunteer because I simply now don't have the, the bandwidth between my professional responsibilities at work, which at Consumer Directed Choices, that's where I work. They're gracious enough to pay for the Leadership Tech Valley program. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to hit the pause button until we find a volunteer who is willing to do the podcast. We are always looking for volunteers. Head on over to amanycapital.org to contact us. If you are interested in volunteering, we have... All sorts of really awesome events coming down the pike. We have our Marcom Awards coming up next month. And so much more. So head on over to our website, AMANYcapital.org. I want to thank the chapter from the bottom of my heart for letting me get this podcast off the ground. And for you, whether you've listened to all 14 episodes or this one or whichever one you have listened to, Thank you for being there. Facebook.com slash nycrama. That is N-Y-C-R-A-M-A. Same with Twitter. And Instagram, AMANYcapital.org has all of our great events. Be well. Stay safe. And I'll see you soon. And we'll be back in short order here with the Capital Marketer Podcast with a new host. Take care.